Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs, and become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the show. Today's episode of Horror Hell is brought to you by Best Fiends, the critically acclaimed puzzle-based adventure game, available for download now on your mobile device of choice. I'll tell you a bit more about our sponsor later on tonight. Until then, double-check your doors and windows and settle in. Darkness is at your door, and it can't wait to join you. The following program is intended for mature audiences and may contain strong language, adult themes, and content of a violent and sexual nature which may not be appropriate for everyone. Welcome, listener, to the Horror Hill. If it's the darkness you seek, you won't be disappointed. I'm your host... Jason Hill, and it's time for our appointment. In this place, there is no sun, and nightmares do come true. Here, instead of shadow falling, the shadows follow you. Consider getting comfortable before the air grows colder. Prepare yourself, if you dare. Come, inch a little closer. If darkness is what you're after, seek no more your searches through. You haven't found the darkness, traveler. The darkness <laughs> has found you. <laughs> 
Welcome to Season 2, Episode 13. I'm your host, Jason Hill, and I'm thrilled you could join me tonight. In today's episode, we bring you two terrifying tales from authors T.W. Grimm and D.J. Montano, who will take us from the dark side of the weight room to the lowest circles of hell. You're listening to the standard edition of this program. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy ad-free versions of this and all our other episodes, as well as hundreds of tales from our audio archives dating back to 2012, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today to get instant access from our friends at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Thank you for your support. Now... Allow me to escort you to a place where the sun dies and nightmares come to life, where those who seek the darkness need look no further. Welcome, listener, to the Horror Hill. You haven't found the darkness. The darkness has found you. Our first story tonight an inspirational tale about a young man with body issues looking to get ripped. No matter how many bodies get ripped apart in the process. <laughs> if you'll excuse my sweaty pun, feel free to dig into something high in protein and brace yourself for a regular deadlift of terror. And on the horror hill... No one gets a spotter. Without further ado, from author T.W. Grimm, I give you... Swole. Workout Log, Day 90. Preacher Bench Curl, 10 times 3, 30 pounds. Overhead Triceps Extension... 10 times 3, 30 pounds. Concentration curl, 10 times 3, 12.5 pound dumbbells. Forearm curl, 10 times 3, 5 pounds. Push ups, 12. Weight, 186 pounds. Notes I am so frustrated with this bullshit. I'm ready to quit. Seriously. I mean, I'm getting stronger, I guess, but nowhere near fast enough. I can't seem to break the 15 push-ups. My curl fucking sucks. The worst thing about the gym is the mirrors, though. I hate the way I look in the mirrors. Under the glare of the fluorescent lighting, I look flabby and weak. Skinny legs, slack arms, soft little gut. My pecs are pointy and saggy under my t-shirt. I hate the goddamn mirrors. I can feel them snickering at me when I'm not looking. The buff guys. The kings of the weight room. The guys with legs like tree trunks and shoulders like basketballs. At least they don't do it right to my face. Well, they sort of can't, I guess. 
The gym rules state no shaming in bold letters. But to be honest, I wouldn't blame them if they did. I look like shit. I look like a pussy. A loser. Zero. <laughs> I don't look the way a man should look. I just have to keep pushing on, I guess. Fuck those guys, right? I'll get there in my own time. Sure I will. <laughs> Everyone has to start somewhere. No one is born with six-pack abs and big lats and whatever. They all have to work hard and pay their dues. I'll get there. I'm gonna get swole. <laughs> I'm gonna transform my shitty, ugly body into what it should be. <laughs> I'm gonna be a fucking beast. <laughs> just, just you wait and see. Oh, time to go eat some boiled chicken breast and try to get some sleep. It'll be better next time. I just have to keep thinking positive, and eventually it'll come true. Right? God, I hope so. Because I fucking hate myself. Workout log, day 92. Flat bench, 10 times 3, 80 pounds. Butterflies, 10 times 3, 15 pound dumbbells. Stomach crunches, 20. Leg lifts, 11. Cardio, 20 minute on elliptical machine, level 3. Weight, 186 pounds. Notes. I'm not progressing much on the chest stuff, like... Hardly at all. I hate my flabby little tits. I wish I had some chest hair to hide them a bit, but I'm too fucking girly to even have that. I hate myself today. I am disgusted with myself. I saw Rick for the first time in a while. He joined the gym around the same time I did, and he wasn't making much progress either, but... Man... Holy fucking shit. The guy's seriously jacked now. I haven't seen him in about a month and wow, what a transformation. He was squatting 300 and breaking parallel like it was nothing. I couldn't believe it. Rick looks like a completely different man. I didn't get a chance to talk to him today, but the next time I see him, I'm going to ask him about his routine. I wonder if he's using steroids. <sighs> he must be. There's no way he made that much progress in one month. Not on his own. I'm so fucking jealous right now. It's not fair. I'm trying my best in every way, but it's so fucking slow. And I'm tired, man. I'm just... So fucking tired of being insignificant. To hell with it. I'm not going to cook tonight. I'm just going to eat some oatmeal and hit the shower. I'll try my best to avoid looking at myself in the mirror. I would do anything to look the way Rick does now. And I mean that 
from the bottom of my heart. I would do anything at all. Workout log day 95. Bent row, 10 times 3, 20 pound dumbbell. Reverse flies, 10 times 3, 5 pounds. Pull downs, 10 times 3, 65 pounds. Squats, 10 times 3, 50 pounds. Cardio, treadmill, 5 miles per hour, 20 minutes. Weight, 186 pounds. Notes. Saw Rick again today. He was benching 100 pounds as a warm-up and it looked light as a feather in his hands. I wandered over and told him he was looking seriously jacked. I asked him if he'd share his secret and he grunted. You bet. Just let me burn through these sets first. I claimed another bench to do my rows and watched him from the corner of my eye. I was baffled. How did he get so goddamn big so fast? Rick seemed to go forever, pushing plates toward the ceiling like a well-oiled machine. When he was finally done, he sat up and waved me over. He looked around to see if anyone was watching, then furtively pulled a white pill bottle out of his gym bag. There was only one word printed across the label. Mass X. Otherwise, it was completely blank. I ordered these babies off the internet. He grinned at me and I realized with a start that even his face was becoming muscular. Read about him on Bodybuilder Message Board. It's a compound derived from human growth hormone and... Um... Some other stuff. Experimental stuff. A company in China makes them. Yeah, seems kind of sketchy, but it works. That's all I care about. It actually works. I asked him if it was an anabolic steroid and he shrugged. Not really, he said. But uh, sort of, I guess. I'm really not sure to tell you the truth. All I know is that it works, man. Guess how long I've been taking these things. Go ahead. I laughed and said, I don't know, maybe five weeks? Can't be much longer than that. Twenty-six days. Rick turned his muscular smile onto the pill bottle, and his eyes shone with... What? Confidence? Strength? Satisfaction? All of the above? That's it, bud. Just twenty-six days. I have made crazy gains since I started. I've moved up shirt size and all my pants are getting tight on my legs. And I feel great, man. (laughs) For real. I feel like I could jump into the sky and grab the moon in the palm of my hand. I asked for the name of the manufacturer, thinking I'd do some research on it myself, and he shook his head. They're gone now, bro. Can't find the site anymore. I think they were going out of business or something because I only ordered a few bottles of this stuff and they sent me four boxes. A few days after the pills came, their website was already gone. Rick handed me the bottle. There were only two lines of text on the back of the label. 
printed in bold, smeary capital letters. Take one pill every two days for increased vigor and strength. Caution, do not exceed this dosage. I asked what happens if you exceed the dosage and Rick gave me a sharp look. I don't know that either, and I'm not going to find out. I don't fuck around with pills, you know what I mean? I just follow the instructions, and it seems to be working just fine. I thought about it for a moment, then asked if he'd be willing to part with a bottle or two. He gave me a sly grin and said, Five thousand bucks. You can have an entire box. I've actually got one in the trunk of my car right now, believe it or not. One box would last you more than ten years. You could sell a bunch of it off, you know. Make bank and get ripped. It's a win-win scenario. I followed Rick to his car after we were both done with our workouts. He pulled an unlabeled cardboard box out of his trunk. It was heavy in my arms. Not for long, I thought, and I started to grin. Rick seemed to hear my thoughts, and he grinned right along with me. It will change your life, he said. You won't regret this. You'll see the results in days, and you'll feel like a new man. We went straight to my bank and I handed him the money in the parking lot. Five grand in cash. Money well spent, as far as I'm concerned. I opened the box when I got home and counted the bottles. There were over a hundred bottles in there. Twenty-four pills to a bottle. The pills looked like some sort of mutant no-name aspirin. They're large, chalky white tablets with nothing stamped on them. I'm going to take one before bed and see what happens. I mean, worst case scenario, they might not do shit all, but I'm pretty sure they won't actually hurt me. They aren't hurting Rick any, that's for sure. Fuck, I really, really hope these things work. Please, God, let this be the real deal because I can't carry on much longer. I hate myself. I hate life. This is going to change everything. I can feel it. I can't fucking wait for the new me. Workout Log, Day 97 Preacher Bench Curl, 10 times 4, 60 pounds Overhead Triceps Extensions, 10 times 4, 60 pounds Concentration curl, 10 times 4, 20 pound dumbbell. Forearm curl, 10 times 3, 10 pound dumbbells. Push ups, 20. Weight, 188 pounds. Notes Yes! I finally broke 15 push-ups. Yes! Gains on every exercise. I have been hungry as hell these past few days, and I've been eating like a horse. I have gained two pounds, but my pot belly is definitely getting smaller. This mass X stuff is amazing. All I do is eat, and I'm still burning fat like crazy. It's almost scary, but I actually feel pretty damn good. Strong and alert. I don't know how to adequately describe it, but I guess Rick said it perfectly the other day. I feel like I could jump up and grab the moon in the palm of my hand. 
I'm... Uh, I'm going to start taking one every day. And I'm going to start working out daily. Shit. Oh, I wish I could go to the gym right now. I feel better than I've ever felt in my life. Can't wait to hit the gym tomorrow. Workout Log, Day 99. Incline Bench, 10 times 4, 110 pounds. Butterflies, 10 times 4, 20 pound dumbbells. Sit ups, 20. Pull ups, 7. Squats, 10 times 4, 120 pounds. Calf raises, 10 times 4, 100 pounds. Weight, 190 pounds. Notes. I could see a big difference in my physique when I looked in the mirror this morning. Overnight, new bumps and ridges of muscle appeared where there used to be nothing but flab. I feel confident, almost aggressively so, if that makes sense. As I was having my morning shave, I noticed the shape of my face is changing. My cheekbones are coming out, and the hated chin saddle is receding. I'm starting to look like an entirely different person. A better person. I'm starting to look like a real man. And it's fucking awesome. I can't thank Rick enough. Why the hell did this company go out of business anyway? Everyone should be taking these things. Workout Log, Day 100. Bent Row, 15 times 4, 60 pound dumbbells. Pull-ups, 20. Push-ups, 30. Reverse flies, 15 times 4, 15 pound dumbbells. Leg lifts, 40. Sit-ups, 40. Deadlift, 15 times 4, 130 pounds. Cardio, treadmill at 8 miles per hour, 30 minutes. Weight, 192 pounds. Notes. I eat and eat and eat. My food budget is getting wrecked. I'll need to start putting in some overtime at work just to cover the cost of feeding my bellowing stomach. It's ridiculous. I eat everything in sight and I just keep melting off the fat. My pants are looser around the waist, but I'm gaining weight steadily. Four pounds in as many days. My arms are becoming defined. My legs are starting to fill out. Even my heart feels stronger, for Christ's sake. I ran like hell on that treadmill today, and I didn't even feel tired when my time was up. It's kind of overwhelming, really. I've made more progress in the last four days than I had in the past three months. Mass X is a miracle pill. Side note, I caught one of the muscle heads staring at me today as I pounded out my rose. He looked incredulous, as if he was thinking, What the fuck happened to that guy? I grinned and lifted and grinned some more. Just you wait, fuckers. This is only the beginning. Blah blah, day 102. Squats, 15 times 5, 170 pounds. Calf raises, 15 times 5, 150 pounds. Lunges, 15 times 5, 40 pound dumbbells. 
quad extensions, 15 times 5, 100 pounds. Hamstring curls, 15 times 5, 100 pounds. Overhead shoulder press, 15 times 5, 50 pound dumbbells. Cardio elliptical machine, 30 minutes on level 10. Weight 195 pounds. Notes. I am a fucking machine! <laughs> I had to take yesterday off. The car needed an oil change, and all I could think about was pumping iron all day long. It's amazing. Every time I think I've hit my limit, there seems to be just a little bit more gas left in the tank. <sighs> I had to stop halfway through the workout to drink a protein shake and scarf down a few granola bars because I felt like I was literally starving. I could actually hear my stomach rumbling over the music. That's how hungry I was. After I ate, I felt my body respond with instantaneous growth. I swear it's true. It's a warm, tingly feeling. An amazing sensation that everyone needs to experience. This stuff is incredible. When I don't hate mirrors anymore, <laughs> I love them. Seven days into the Mass X experiment and I have lost my fat gut entirely. My pecs are hard and square. My biceps are peaked like rooftops, and my shoulders are starting to ripple with muscle. I don't even look like me. Not anymore. I look like the man I've always longed to become. A man who's strong and capable. A man who doesn't fear the outside world. A man who commands respect. A strong man. A real man. No one said anything to me about it at work yet, but I can see the question dancing behind their guarded stares. What the hell is happening to you? <laughs> well, the dull curtain of mediocrity has been pulled aside, and I can finally rise up, ascend to the heavens, and become a god. That is what Mass X does for you. It allows you to ascend. <sighs> That's how it makes you feel. It's amazing. <sighs> I think I'm going to up the dosage and start taking two a day. <sighs> Honestly, why the hell not? Day 103. Inclined bench press, 15 times 5, 200 pounds. Butterflies, 15 times 5, 40-pound dumbbells. Push-ups, 110. Sit-ups with 50-pound plate, 90. Leg lifts, 5 minutes. Squats, 15 times 5, 220 pounds. Deadlift, 15 times 5, 170 pounds. Weight, 198 pounds. Notes. Lots of stares at the gym today. I stared right the fuck back until they looked away. Fuck them. All of them. They aren't such hot shit now, are they? At 5 foot 10, I'm 198 pounds of solid, rock-hard muscle. I look like I'm made out of steel cables. I'm lifting heavy. But with lots of reps and sets, my definition and bulk are both coming along stupendously. <laughs> I was one of the hardest-looking guys in the weight room today, no doubt about it. No more snickering behind my back now, is there, you little bitches? Just you wait. Just you wait and see. I ate a full package of bacon, six eggs, and a stack of toast for breakfast. 
but I still had to stop after my sit-ups to eat the pound of honey garlic chicken wings I picked up on the way to the gym. I don't even give a fuck what I'm eating anymore, as long as there's a lot of it. I even crunched the bones and sucked out the marrow, something I have never done before. Cracking the bones between my teeth was incredibly satisfying. And (laughs) it made people uncomfortable, which was pretty hilarious. Their discomfort made me happy. My boss will no longer look me directly in the eye. He's disturbed by my presence. I think it's funny that he's intimidated by me. I like it. Makes me feel powerful. Day 105, baby! Bench press, 15 times 5, 250 pounds. Butterflies, 15 times 5, 60 pound dumbbells. Push-ups, 200. Sit-ups, 8 minutes. Leg lifts with medicine ball, 200. Overhead shoulder press, 15 times 5, 80 pound dumbbells. Squats, 15 times 5, 280 pounds. Weight, 205 pounds. Notes. The gym was closed yesterday. Pissed me right off, that did. Open 24-7 my ass. I went home and pumped off a thousand push-ups, grinding my teeth and cursing like a sailor the entire time. I felt like Clark Kent pacing around in his suit all day, bursting with the need to rip that shit off and become Superman. I crave physical exertion. Oh, all I want is to push myself to the limit and then keep right on pushing. I was starving afterwards, so I roasted and ate a whole chicken. There were potatoes and carrots on the side, but I didn't really want them. I've been craving meat lately. I don't want anything else. Just meat. And lots of it. Anyway, the gym was open today, and I fucking crushed it. I could have lifted heavier, though. I'm sure of it. I hardly even broke a sweat. Some punk was staring at me, so I looked right into his eyes and said, What the fuck are you looking at? Just like that. (laughs) No filter necessary when you're Superman. You know what I mean? I'd love to stroll up to one of these wannabe tough guys that eyeball me in the weight room and just fucking smash him one. Just haul right off and smash his delicate little facial bones into splinters with one punch. I'm trying to keep these fantasies in check, but it's getting harder all the time. I mean, who doesn't want to grab some asshole and throw him out the fucking window sometimes? It would be like Christmas, wouldn't it? I need to eat again. Jesus, I'm ravenous. I'll have to go grocery shopping tonight. This is getting expensive. I keep thinking I should probably start selling some of these pills, but... I don't know. I kind of like the idea of keeping them a secret. Do I really want all those wannabe bodybuilders catching up to me? Fuck no! It's my wonderful little secret. And I'm not sharing it with anyone. Speaking of which, I wonder how Rick's coming along. I haven't seen him in a while. Day 105. Or... Is it 106? 
I don't know. Deadlifts. Something times something. 300 pounds. Weight. 210 pounds. Notes. Started doing deadlifts today and, well, I just kept on going. Didn't even try to divide it into different sets or anything. I just tossed 300 pounds on the bar and went at it like a madman. And did it for almost 40 minutes straight. By the time I was finished, they were all staring at me through the row of windows that separate the weight room from the cardio equipment. (laughs) They looked like children at a zoo, staring at a grizzly bear with wide-eyed wonder. It made me feel giddy with power. They're afraid of me. I can almost smell it in the air. In other news, I've apparently been laid off. The boss didn't even have the balls to do it over the phone. He laid me off over a text message. He said things are slowing down, but I know that's a cowardly lie. The truth is, he's scared of me. And he should be scared because... Because... Because I'm ascending to the next level. I'm evolving to a higher form. I didn't even get mad about it. (laughs) I thought it was funny. (laughs) He couldn't handle being so pathetically inferior to his subordinate. (laughs) What a sad little man. I could snap his skinny little neck with one hand. He's nothing to me. Nothing at all. This will give me more time to train, and that's a good thing. All I want to do is eat lots of meat and lift. I'll find another job soon enough. I mean, really, who wouldn't want to hire someone like me? In the meantime, I'll eat, and I'll lift, and that's just fine. To hell with that guy and his insecurities. In fact, to hell with everyone in general! I don't need anyone to admire me! I just need them to stay the fuck out of my way. If they don't stay out of my way, they'll fucking regret it. I don't know what day it is anymore and it no longer matters. I am ascending. Weight, 232 pounds. Notes. Oh, where to start? Well, I beat Rick within an inch of his life at the gym. I think this was a couple of days ago, but I'm not sure. Time is getting a bit weird for me. (laughs) Everything is getting a bit weird for me. But that's okay. That's how it was meant to be. He was leaving as I was coming in, ready and raring to pump some serious iron. It wasn't nearly as yoked as when I'd last seen him. 
not by a long shot. He stepped in front of me and put a hand on my shoulder. He had a grave expression on his face. He said, Hey man, can we talk for a minute? Please, this is pretty urgent. I barely even heard his words. I was staring at the hand on my shoulder and gritting my teeth. All I could think was, this little fucker just laid his hand on me. I growled, get your delicate little fingers off of my shoulder, bitch. Pronto. His eyes widened and he snatched his hand back. I nodded and said, Good boy, what do you want? Rick took a deep breath and said, Listen to me, okay? I was reading a thread on a bodybuilding forum and... Oh man, whatever's in this pill is not good for you. It doesn't just alter you physically, it affects you mentally too. People were getting hooked on the gains and started raising the dosage. They were getting way, way too big, way too fast. It makes you violent. Like people were losing their temper in traffic and dragging people out of their cars. Shit like that. After I scrolled through that thread, I decided to stop taking them. They're bad news, bro. You need to stop. I stared at him. Rick squirmed under my gaze. He took in a shaky breath and blurted, Does any of that sound familiar to you? Be honest, man. You're abusing the dose, aren't you? I think, well, I'd heard enough. I grunted, fuck off, and turned to leave. But Rick's next words stopped me in my tracks. He said, You've gotten taller. Did you know that? You're at least three inches taller than you were, like, like just a couple weeks ago. I'm not shitting you, man. You're growing. Look at you. Shit, how much do you weigh now? I was suddenly aware that my track pants were no longer covering my ankles. My shoes were too tight and my wrists were jutting out of the sleeves of my hooded sweatshirt. I studied my exposed wrists and saw that my bones had become much wider and thicker. They're covered in strange ropes of muscle and cabled coils of veins. I'm growing. I'm ascending, I crooned, and I slowly turned back to face him. Are you jealous, Rick? I bet you are. I bet it's eating you alive. You hardly even look the same anymore, man. Have you seen yourself in a mirror lately? You're starting to look like a Neanderthal. You're changing! Rick's voice was the maddening whir of a mosquito in my ear, annoying beyond belief. I had to silence it. My fist lashed out, and his head rocked backward, his front teeth flying through the air in a spray of broken fragments. I lunged forward and hit him in the side, and I felt his ribcage cave in beneath my fist. The force of the punch knocked him five feet back into a wall, and before he even had a chance to hit the floor, I had Rick dangling in the air, 
with my hand buried in his throat. He glurked and sputtered down at me with his arms flailing and his eyes bulging, completely helpless. <laughs> it made me cackle gleeful laughter. <laughs> oh, I loved hurting him. <laughs> I never wanted it to stop. <laughs> I roared, Don't tell me what to do, little man, and slammed him into the concrete floor like a jackhammer. I heard something snap deep inside him, and Rick wheezed out a breathless little scream. The girl behind the front counter shrieked, Stop! What are you doing? You're gonna kill him! Stop it right now! Her hand was in front of her mouth and her eyes were wet and very, very wide. She was looking at me the same way someone would look at a wild animal on the attack. She was absolutely terrified. And I liked it. Rick was gasping at my feet like a fish out of water. The girl kneeled it aside and shouted up at me, Get out of here. Go. You're banned, you roided out dipshit. I'm calling the police. I slammed to the exit doors and ran down the street, my blood still singing in my ears from the thrill of victory. I seized the first bench I saw and ripped it free from the ground. It was lagged into a concrete pad with three-inch bolts, but I tore it free with minimal effort and smashed it into a dozen pieces on the sidewalk. A small crowd of teenagers saw what happened and fled in terror. And I liked that, too. Creating fear was my favorite new pastime. I spotted an elm tree and ripped into it with my bare hands, tearing off long strips of bark like it was tissue paper. It was shockingly easy to punch large indents into its trunk with my fists. Absurdly easy. I heard police sirens and ran like the wind. Shocked expressions whistled past in a blur of shouting and cries of indignation, car horns blaring in my wake. Before long, the city limits had receded into twinkles in the thickening gloom behind me. And I was free. I was king of the jungle. An apex predator whose terrible likeness was once etched upon the walls of stone caverns, documented in charcoal for the horrified perusal of future generations. I was death. And the pale light of the stars illuminated my hunting grounds. I slowed to a walk and panted up at the moon, inhaling deeply of the night. I could smell dew and dirt and pine trees, earthworms, field mice, and fireflies. I could see every individual blade of sawgrass in the ditch in stark relief, every stone on the gravel shoulder, every moth and mosquito buzzing in the air above my head. I felt as though I'd been asleep my entire life. And now, I was awake. I stopped to strip off my sweat-soaked t-shirt and gym shorts, my shoes, all of it. I stood naked in the cold moonlight, 
and understood I was no longer strictly a human being. I was a new classification of life. Something pure and unburdened by the weakness of civil domestication. I was free. There was a growling in my guts and my mouth flooded with saliva. My teeth were aching in my gums. Meat. I needed meat. I sniffed the wind and caught the scent almost immediately. Somewhere beyond the cornfields there was meat. Hot, living meat. I sprinted to the dew-dripping rose and found myself standing at the edge of a barnyard. There was a chicken coop. The birds squawked and fluttered their wings in distress. I could smell them. I could smell their fear. And it was intoxicating. I tore the door from its hinges and grabbed me the first chicken I saw by the neck. Its skull crunched between my teeth. I ripped off its head, spat it out and gnawed into the spurting stump with a moan of delight. The act of devouring the bird alive was both perfect and sublime. It was good and right and natural, the way things have always been. The hunter and the hunted. Predator and prey. I shuddered with gratitude that I was finally a direct participant in this never-ending cycle of death and renewal. It was a baptism of blood, and I was reborn. I feasted on a second bird, and even though my belly was full after I was done, the deeper hunger beneath had yet to be sated. I tore out the throat of every single bird in the coop, and when they were all lying dead and motionless in the straw that covered the floorboards, I deliberately stomped the bodies underfoot, flattening them all into a red, mushy carpet. And it was right, and it was just. And it was the way things have always been for time out of mind. I found my clothes and ran back to the city, sometimes loping on all fours under the cover of darkness. When I got past the suburbs and into the inner city, I abandoned the ground and started leaping from rooftop to rooftop, sailing across distances of twenty feet or more in a single bound. I found my own building by scent and forced my way inside to the rooftop exit door. Exhausted, and perfectly content. I curled up in a ball on my living room floor and fell asleep. In the morning, I cocked my leg and pissed into the tub before taking a good look at myself in the full-length mirror. My pupils have become vertical slits, like a cat, and my torso is elongated with bulging and twists of long, corded muscle. Huh. I'm not getting taller so much as I'm getting longer. Although I can still walk upright without problems, it feels more natural to walk on all fours. My hands are lengthening into something like feet, 
and my toes are stretching out into something like fingers. My nails are rapidly growing out into claws, and my mouth is curving outward into the beginning of a snout. <laughs> and my teeth. Holy hell. I got a set of chompers like a gargoyle. They ache, but it's a good ache. I want to bite down and splinter bones. I want to spill hot blood and howl at the sky. I don't think I'm human anymore, and you know what? It doesn't bother me in the slightest. I won't miss being human at all, I don't think. I want to run beneath the moon and hunt living meat. Everything else just seems pointless. I'm sprouting a dense coat of fur. It's dark brown in color, and it's very comfortable. Really, it's far superior to any clothing I've ever worn in my life. I can't imagine reverting into the pale, hairless, vulnerable creature that I used to be. The very thought is horrifying. Disgusting, even. It seems almost impossible that I originated from such a pathetic organism. I ate a raw pork roast this morning. I devoured it in one sitting. It was the last of the meat in my freezer. It wasn't nearly enough to satisfy me, and frankly, I needed it to be alive. I needed to give chase with my heart thundering in my chest. And my claws reaching for the kill. I needed to feed while its heart was still beating and its legs were still twitching. My stomach was cramping and hollering for more. Couldn't wait any longer. I slipped out of my apartment like a shadow, padding silently down the hall on all fours. I was halfway to the exit when the elevator door suddenly pinged open beside me, startling me into a fang-bearing hiss. An elderly man stood in the open elevator door, gaping at me in shock with his arms full of grocery bags and his mouth hanging open. He whispered, Oh my Jesus. And I sprang at him, instinct spurring me to leap before my mind had even begun to make that final connection. The old man was prey, and that was all. He was meat and nothing more. The hunt was already over. I slammed into him and drove him back into the elevator. The door slid closed behind us as we landed together on the floor, me on top and clawing into his soft chest as he struggled and screamed for mercy. I hit the emergency stop with my foot and buried my snout in his wounds. Hot blood squirted across my tongue. He was pummeling at my skull with puny fists, so I pinned his arms and sank my teeth into his throat. His screams turned into agonized gurgling as I drank his life, like a crimson fountain. He tried to put his thumb in my eye and I ripped his belly open with a kick from my hind leg, spilling his steaming innards onto the cold floor beneath us. <laughs> Loose apples and... <laughs> Cans of cat food were rolling around the floor around us, knocked to and fro by the old man's flailing limbs. I smelled the faint tang of urine as he wet himself. 
I gorged myself as the old man's spark faded to darkness. I feasted on his cooling carcass, and it was right, and it was just. It was the way things should be and always have been for time out of mind. It was golden. I'm too full and lethargic to care about the consequences right now. I need sleep. I'll deal with it when I wake up. The night is young. And the darkness belongs to me. Just woke up. The cops are here. They're yelling at me to open the door. I can see their heat. And I can smell their fear. Their presence means nothing. The ascension is complete. Their bullets can't hurt me. I have evolved. Hmm, they're breaking down the door. I told them to run. I told them I'm hungry. But they won't listen. They won't run away. And now, the door is coming down. And I can't control myself anymore because... I'm hungry. And they... are... meat. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. This episode of Horror Hill is brought to you by Best Fiends, the unique and exciting puzzle experience unlike other puzzle games out there. Best Fiends, a five-star rated puzzle gaming challenge for adults, puts you, the player, at the forefront of a ragtag team of plucky insects and a few assorted other species, engaged in an all-out puzzle brawl with an ever-encroaching army of disgusting slugs. With intuitive controls, simplified tutorial, a finely tuned precision difficulty curve, adaptive reward system, and a gratifying array of unlockable, upgradable, and super cute characters for your team, this singularly unique puzzle gaming experience will provide you with endless enjoyment that you can share with other players on social media. And you can take it with you. Enjoy Best Fiends anywhere at home, school, work, or, well, just about anywhere. Because no internet connection is required, I was able to play Best Fiends at the top of a 14er I recently summited. Pretty awesome, right? Yeah. Honestly, 
I could just spend hours upgrading and evolving my insect crew, mixing, matching, and arranging all my available weapons to pummel those slugs into the primordial ooze from whence they came. So what are you waiting for? Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this 5-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. And always let them know that you heard about it here first. We really appreciate it. You've been listening to Swole by author T.W. Grimm. In the world of athletics, it's always a thrill to reach your personal beast. <laughs> We've got another tale to terrify coming up shortly. Before I proceed, however, I'd like to tell you a bit more about tonight's sponsor, Best Fiends. The unique and exciting puzzle experience unlike other puzzle games out there. As you've probably figured out by now, horror fiction is my passion. But even I need the occasional break from the terrifying and the traumatic every now and then. So, when I feel like I need a mental palate cleanser, my go-to refresher is Best Fiends. With a hundred million global downloads and counting a five-star average on Apple and Google's app stores, and close to two million people playing every day. There's a good chance you'll love it too. With its addictive, challenging puzzles, you won't have a dull moment for months. And each of the over 2,000 levels in the game sucks you further into the action. As a professional voice actor, I spend many, many grueling hours a week reviewing previously recorded content for flaws, pops, clicks, etc., and nothing makes that time go faster than being to pick up a game and blunt the boredom and repetition of that process. And with the easy pick-up-put-down interface of Best Fiends, the hours just fly by. As a perfectionist gamer from even back in the Sega Genesis days... I am a huge sucker for hidden characters and unlockables, and whoa does this game have that. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this 5-star rated mobile game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Thanks so much for your time and for giving Best Fiends a try this month. Now that I have given you the gift that keeps on giving, courtesy of Best Fiends, allow me to regale you with tonight's second tale of terror. For our next cautionary tale this evening, we'll be dealing with a different kind of deadlift. The one with buttons and cables. Though... This particular elevator only goes down, all the way down. From author DJ Montano, I give you the elevator. The devil doesn't come dressed in a red cape and pointy horns. 
He comes as everything you've ever wished for. Tucker Max. Chapter 1. The Penthouse. Thomas stared out over New York from the 34th floor of Manhattan Dynamics Corporate Center, amused at how he could look down on the world. It had taken a lot of hard work to become the youngest CEO in the company's history. Sipping his wonderfully aged scotch, he stood before the full-length windows and admired the city at night, feeling as though a king must feel when he stares down from his tower over his kingdom. Good night, Mr. Burkhoff, Jillian said as she finished buttoning her shirt and fluffing her silky blonde hair before exiting the office. Thomas gave a slight nod of acknowledgement. Entering the private bathroom in his office to catch a shower before heading home, he wondered how his son, Thomas II, was doing. Home life had become boring to him. He carried on with the farce of his marriage to maintain the other half of his assets. Besides, she was probably getting her own side action anyways. Thomas would spend two or three days at the office before coming home for a day. The penthouse suite they resided in was well decorated and furnished. The walls contained more art than family memories. Thomas Sr. was far more interested in grooming a future CEO than being a caring father. Thomas II had learned the benefits of charisma and ruthlessness from his father. High school had been his training ground to hone his skills for the business world after college. When Thomas Sr. would come home, the conversation focused more on lessons of self-advancement at all costs than real bonding time with his son. Thomas was proud of what his son was becoming. The conversations they had when he was home made his time away from the office bearable, if not almost worth it. Success demands sacrifice, he had once told his son. The acceptance letters from Ivy League colleges should be arriving in the mail soon. Thomas expected nothing less. After the shower, Thomas dressed in a handsome Giorgio Armani suit, impeccably pressed white turnbull and acer-collared shirt, the Cole Hahn wingtips in a beautiful burnt honey color. Thomas rarely existed outside of a well-tailored suit. His suits were his armor, and in them he felt invincible. Thomas polished off the last of his scotch and approached the elevator, illuminating the down button with a touch. As he stood waiting, he scrolled through tomorrow's calendar, meeting at 10 a.m. with the board, meeting with the lawyers about a lawsuit pertaining to a company they purchased at 11 a.m., on and on and on. A soft ding caused Thomas to slide his phone into the inner breast pocket of his suit, the stainless steel double doors parted to allow him entrance. The cool glow of the fluorescent bulbs flickered for a mere instant, and then steadied. Thomas entered the elevator and pressed the button for the first floor. The elevator began its smooth descent until a light squeal caught Thomas's ear. The sound became more pronounced and took on a grinding tone. Thomas scanned the ceiling of the aluminum tomb. The elevator started to vibrate and jerk. The sudden realization that he was suspended 29 floors above the ground in a box sent his heart into a quick jog. There are emergency brakes and backups, he thought. I'll be fine, just perhaps stuck for an hour or two. The elevator made a large jolt as it free fell momentarily, then jerked to a stop. 
Thomas's heart was in a full-blown sprint now, hands wrapped so tightly around the railings it made them ache. Struggling to regain control of his breath and his wandering mind, Thomas slowly moved from the far corner towards the emergency button near the doors. The elevator moaned and creaked under the shifting weight of each slow step. As he reached the middle, the tracks moaned louder, and Thomas paused. His breath more controlled now, but his jugular was proof that his heart wasn't slowing down for anything. A calmness and silence took hold of everything. Thomas seized this moment and took one more step and pressed the emergency button with a slight panic. For a second, nothing happened. Suddenly, the alarm screamed, blocking out all other sounds. After what seemed like an eternity of the electronic howling, a voice crackled to the speaker on the wall. Elevator one, are you in trouble? What seems to be the emergency? A light feminine voice metallically tweaked through the speaker. Hello, this is Thomas Burkhoff and I'm stuck in here. Cracking a nervous smile, he was relieved that he had reached someone. Sir, it's going to be... The voice over the speaker began to crack and fade. No, wait, you're breaking up, Thomas said in a higher voice than he knew he had. A piercing sound like amplifier feedback shot out of the speaker. Don't worry, Thomas, I have everything well in hand, came a deep, gravelly voice. I'll do my best to keep you comfortable down here, the voice sneered with a hollow, sinister laugh that echoed from everywhere. Thomas's eyes shot around, looking for the source of the laughter. His stomach jumped into his throat before he could comprehend what happened. The sound of the metallic cable snapping pierced the silence like a gunshot. Thomas's heart seized, and the elevator plummeted into the dark. Chapter 2 Circle of Fire Thomas awoke not to the sight of crumpled metal, electric sparks, or even pain. There was just nothingness. A blackness that seemed to have darker shades of black the harder he tried to look into it. Welcome, Thomas. A strong, rasping voice came from directly behind him. Spinning quickly, he found a mirror image of himself. A striking man of forty-five. Strong jawline with olive skin and freshly shaven face. Icy blue eyes that would rival the clearest blue sky. Dark brown hair that bordered on black. Impeccably maintained. Undressed to exude power. Who are you? I know you're not me! Thomas croaked. Oh, but I am. <laughs> oh, I am you. The dark in you. There is so much dark in you, too. Buttoning his suit jacket, trying to regain the calm, cool control that allowed him to thrive and close massive deals, Thomas breathed deeply. I asked you a question. Who are you? He said, the confidence returning to his voice. Oh, over the millennia, I've been given so many names. Um, Lucifer? The Devil? Ugh, Satan. Beelzebub? Shall I keep going? The Devil? Really? Thomas's voice oozed condescension. 
Well, that's quite okay. You don't need to believe. We're here to discuss you anyways, Lucifer said, buttoning his coat as well. Shall we get on with it then? Let's get this over with. I'm a very busy man. Instantly, the footing beneath Thomas dissolved. As he plummeted down, the acrid smell of rotten eggs filled his nostrils. The darkness began to illuminate with a faint glow. Then, all at once, they were standing on a rocky cliff surrounded by flames leaping fifty stories in the air. Waves of wailing bombarded him, the sound of agony continually crashing against his eardrums. The heat in the air was stifling and burned with every inhalation. Thomas looked back at the mirror image of himself and saw the glossy blackness spread across Lucifer's eyes. Welcome again to my... Ugh, I'm sorry. Our home, Lucifer stated with a sneer. I... I don't belong down here with you, you... You monster! Thomas lashed out. No, of course you don't belong here. This is only the first level of hell. You belong much further below. This place is reserved for those with uh, petty crimes. The entry level to hell, one might say. Lucifer's gravelly voice began to take on a metallic tinge. I have much more planned for you. Why the fuck do I belong down here? <clears throat> I've given money to charities, helped build orphanages, donated <coughs> food shelters. I'm a <coughs> philanthropist, damn it! Thomas retorted, choking on the heavy air and smoke. Didn't you receive tax credits for each of those acts? You didn't actually give anything that wasn't made back during tax season, and you know it, Lucifer smirked. Of course I did, but that's what makes it a win-win. The destitute get the money they need to help them, and I don't technically lose any money. How is that worth all this? Thomas's eyes opened wide, searching for the answer. <laughs> it's not. Tell me, Thomas, with a number of souls damned to this place, do you think I greet each one personally? The question hung in the air while Thomas thought. Let me help you out. No! I don't. You are a special case, Thomas, and the number of souls you sent me and will be sending me in the future deserves a reward. You've been one of my best agents. Depending on how our meeting goes, I may reward you with a hundred years out of every millennium free of torture during your eternal stay when all is said and done. Lucifer said coolly and plunged his hands into his pant pockets. Two hundred and fifty years seemed like a more appropriate reward if I am in fact that valuable, barked Thomas, ever the businessman. Oh, 125 years. And I suggest you take that because there will not be an alternative offer. Lucifer's gaze never left Thomas's eyes. Before I agree to any sort of deal, what proof is there that I belong here with a rabble of humanity? A wicked grin fell over Lucifer's face. This is the part I love the most. Shattering the illusions you humans have of your perfect lives. Suddenly, the two were walking on a rocky path in another part of hell amidst a cacophony of agony so thick it was almost tangible. Seeing the torment in one man's eyes, Thomas tried to avert his gaze. 
Take this monster that once walked the streets of Russia preying on the weak. This here is Andrei Chikatilo. He was known as the Butcher of Rostov. Andrei was a serial killer in Russia, preying on women and children. In his relatively short time on Earth, he brought terror, torment, and death to 56 poor souls. He was only convicted of 52. Andre was strapped down to a stone table on his stomach. Thomas's mouth gaped as he witnessed the flesh being filleted from his back in long strips. It was like seeing the skin of an apple removed in a bright red ribbon. Except this apple screamed. Just when the demon ran out of strips of flesh, the table turned red hot, scorching his front. While the front of him burned, the skin on his back grew back almost instantly. Then, the process started all over again. Thomas turned and vomited off the edge of the path into a river of lava ten feet below. Staggering back to his feet and using his pocket square to wipe his mouth, he walked on. Lucifer just smiled and strode forward. Now, where should we begin? Like most children, you had your arguments and schoolyard brawls, but those don't concern me. Hmm. Your dad always expected top marks from you. There was no settling for second best. What's wrong with that? I don't see the harm in a man wanting his child to excel in life and make something of himself. Thomas's voice fell flat as his eyes scanned the surrounding suffering. Seeing the torment in one man's eyes, Thomas tried to avert his gaze. Your dad would lash you with a belt when things weren't done to his satisfaction, correct? Lucifer probed, already knowing the answer. My... my father instilled discipline in me and taught me that actions had consequences. Thomas retorted defensively. Ah, I see. Simply educating you in the ways of the world... Lucifer questioned. Of course! My dad was just trying to prepare me. Wait, did I just say dad? What am I, ten years old? Thomas did not like feeling like he was losing control. Is this what it's like for people talking to me every day? Lucifer just walked, a smug look painted on his face. Did your dad feel as if your mother hadn't learned that lesson as a child? Thomas knew Lucifer had used Dad on purpose to highlight Thomas's insecurity. Thomas had used that very tactic countless times on members of the board he wanted to undermine. Thomas was missing the point of the question, though. Distracted like a child again, focused on the item meant to anger him. What are you talking about? Thomas looked with caution at Lucifer. Thomas heard a scream increasing in volume until it felt like the audible anguish was going to plow into him. Instead, there was a huge splat that hit the lava river beside them. The two looked up and saw the forms of men and women falling from the sky in balls of blue-orange fire, each comet producing its own resonance of suffering. The combined measure created a harmony of horror. Some careened into the sides of mountains some into more lava lakes, and some into other souls, already in the middle of torture, like Andre. I call these little soul storms unfortunate showers, sneered Lucifer. 
At first, Thomas missed the pun, and then it hit him. Unfortunate being a synonym for damned. He knew the devil wasn't supposed to be nice, but man, what an asshole. All around them, ethereal bodies blew apart in high-speed collisions. There were parts of arms, legs, intestines. Thomas saw more than one eyeball separated from its socket. Frantically looking around, it lay on the ground. Thomas had never experienced the kind of fracturing that was now taking place in his mind. Her mother wore a lot of modest clothes, right? High necklines, long sleeves, pants, or long skirts. Dresses that were full length with long sleeve cover-ups? Lucifer inquired in a leading manner. What does my mom... I mean, my mother's clothing have to do... Before he could finish the sentence... Thomas realized what Lucifer meant. When his father left a mark on him that could be visible to someone at school, Thomas had to wear clothes that would conceal it. A lead brick dropped into his stomach. Duh. My dad hit my mom. Seeing the surprise in his face, Lucifer couldn't contain his fang-toothed grin. That's... That's bullshit! exclaimed Thomas but he knew that wasn't true. His father had been an abusive husband, his mother a battered wife, and Thomas could never deny it again. Did you know they're both down here? Lucifer probed. I understand why my father would be, but why the fuck would my mom be down here? He had removed the personal title of dad, but doubled down on the swell of emotions by saying, Mom. That quickly, Thomas thought. Just like that, I can emotionally alienate my father. Screw it, the bastard deserves it, was his next thought. Lucifer's gaze hung on Thomas as he leaned against an obsidian pillar. The pillar was carved in the form of a cowardly-looking man being crushed while holding up a large bowl that contained a naked woman with sheer ecstasy in her features. Men being crushed by lust or desires. Your mom killed your father in an act of premeditated and cold-blooded murder. For that act, she's been sent here. My mother isn't some criminal mastermind. How could she have killed my father and gotten away with it? Sucks, Lucifer replied, his smile gleaming. But I, I know it sucks, but tell me, damn it! Thomas roared. You misunderstand me. Sucks. It's a paralytic medication usually used to relax tense muscles during surgery. The full name is succinylcholine, or SUCKS for short. The beauty of SUCKS as a murder weapon is it leaves barely any trace in a toxicology report. A clinical dose would have killed your father in five to ten minutes, but it could have just left him brain dead. Your mom made sure it went past the clinical dosage. The explanation from Lucifer bore almost no inflection. It was like he was describing people walking across the street in Manhattan. Wouldn't the drug make it look like my father overdosed? Thomas questioned. That would raise suspicion since my father didn't have any other drugs around the house. True. You would think sucks produces some telltale sign. But it doesn't. Your father spent the last moments of his life looking up at the woman he had beaten into submission. Paralyzed. 
he felt the chilling sensation of losing the use of his fingers. Then arms. Then legs. Then head and neck. Slowly, he felt the paralytic start to seize control of his lungs. Straining with every bit of his mind to draw breath in and out. Knowing that it wasn't working. Looking at the needle in your mother's hand and laboring with all the force he could muster to scream out. Yet not making so much as a peep. Your father drowned. In a room full of air. Lucifer paused to allow his words to sink in. How did she get it? Thomas squeaked out. A pharmacy tech that was a battered woman as well. The tech noticed a bruise on your mother's back when she dropped her driver's license on the floor. Her shirt pulled up and exposed the bruise for a split second. The tech took her to a small exam room next to the pharmacy and was able to finally coax it out of her. She grabbed the vial out of a box that had been delivered to the pharmacy by mistake. The tech told her the inventory was always off a little, and no one would raise an eyebrow. The tech explained how much she would need to use to get the job done, and to make sure she discarded it well, and then left the room. A confident look rested on Lucifer's face as he concluded the tale. Tears streamed down Thomas's cheeks but evaporated before they even hit the ground. I never knew my mother had been abused. Lips and voice quivering as he spoke. A deep red rage filled Thomas suddenly. Why in the fuck do you have her down here to spend an eternity being tormented when her life is already full of torment? Hey, don't blame me, he shrugged nonchalantly. Blame the... Ever merciful God you mortals love to pin your hopes on. She broke his rule. And despite the good reason she had to erase your father from the planet, he punished her for it. Thomas could feel the rage building behind his eyes. He grabbed Lucifer by the suit and was already in motion to punch him when Lucifer's eyes became pits of smoldering pitch black fire. How dare you! The voice resounded from every direction in an inhuman tone. Thomas crumbled to the floor, instantly remembering who was in front of him, and just where he was again. The crackling, flaming eye sockets cooled and returned to the glossy, pitch-black orbs they had been. Huh. Now where were we? Lucifer said merrily as if the whole thing hadn't happened. Slowly, Thomas returned to his feet and dusted himself off. My parents said Thomas, voice trembling. Ah, yes. Enough about them, though. You know their fate. But what about your life's deeds that have earned you your place down here? I think it's time for a change of scenery before we start on your life, though. Lucifer snapped his finger, and with a brilliant and violent flash, they were gone. Chapter 3 Circle of Gluttony Thomas heard the growls, so much yelling that he was terrified to open his eyes. Slowly, one eye cracked to let in a sliver of his surroundings. Lucifer and Thomas were standing in a stone cliff that was perched about thirty feet above a vast dirt and rock plain. At regular intervals stood mountains of food inside cages. Crowns were gathered around every possible inch of the ground. 
reaching through the iron bars for any scrap of food they could grab. The food sat mere inches out of reach. From beneath the cliff, Thomas heard what sounded like large doors creaking their way open. From out of the doors came thousands, no, millions of small babies. Something appeared off, though. Thomas opened his eyes fully and saw the babies had small horns protruding from their heads and tails of varying shades from bright red to the darkest crimson. These babies were demon children. The huddled masses were so fixated on the food that they didn't notice the flurry of activity behind them until teeth started sinking into their flesh. A torrent of screams rose up in the vast cavern and moved across the plain in a wave as the demon spawns reached the souls farther away. Looking out over the waves of carnage, a cold sweat formed on Thomas's head. His legs turned into wet noodles instead of bones and muscles. The gnashing of teeth and wailing had to stop. Welcome to gluttony, Lucifer said with a flourish. Why the souls of those who gorged themselves in life become the very thing they pursued with such passion and conviction in death. Food. The gluttonous feed the young demons of hell. Help them grow big and strong so that one day I can send them above. Lucifer stood surveying the carnage and beamed proudly. This is disgusting, Thomas said, fighting a rising urge to vomit. Turning his back on the demonic banquet, Thomas steeled his nerves. Why are we here, Lucifer? Because you are glutton, Tom. You don't mind if I call you Tom, right? How am I a glutton? Thomas asked, chuckling and looking at his toned body. True, you're not a glutton of food. You are, however, a glutton of power and sadness. You enjoy imposing your will upon people and feasting on their sadness when they leave dissatisfied. Let's talk about your childhood and your brother, Lucifer said as he paced to the edge of the cliff, looking down. No, don't go there. Lucifer! Day after day, you would convince your little brother to do what you wanted to do. He would play the games you wanted to play, play by the rules you set. Say, what kind of fun things were there to do in the Steel City? Lucifer, don't. Don't what? Lucifer cut Thomas off. What do you think you're here for, Thomas? A stroll down happy memory lane? Or look at all the positive things you've done with your life? You're in hell. For a CEO, you are a pretty slow learner. The low flames building in Lucifer's eyes began to cool again. Now, as I was saying, you grew up in Pittsburgh. And when kids get bored, they tend to do dumb things. Don't worry. That's not just a Pittsburgh thing, that's an everywhere thing. Lucifer chuckled. So, do you remember the morning of Johnny's 10th birthday? You told him, as a rite of passage, he had to sneak onto a train and off without being caught? Thomas covered his ears and paced back and forth, muttering curses, trying to drown out Lucifer's voice. 
Do you really think covering your ears will help you? I can talk straight into your mind in this place, Thomas. Your brother did exactly what you asked of him. He snuck aboard an empty train. You and your friends stood a couple of tracks away mocking him for choosing an empty train. As he got to the ladder to get down, the engineer came out of nowhere. Thomas pinched his eyes closed, but the memory played back on the back of his eyelids like a movie screen. Hey, get back here, you hoodlum! The engineer barked. The engineer reached for Johnny's hand to pull him back up. In a panic, Johnny let go of the ladder and pushed himself away from the train. Minutes seemed to pass as he fell. Johnny came crashing down and cracked the back of his head in the steel rail of the track. Your friends ran towards him and you ran away. Like a coward. Thomas wept on his knees. I was running to get my parents. Thomas choked out between sobs. Bullshit. You and I both know that's complete and utter bullshit. <laughs> you ran and hid behind an abandoned building. Not at the loss of your brother, but because you told him to do something and he did it. You had the power to convince someone to do something and they obeyed you. Yeah, you eventually got to your feet and had someone call 911. You were grounded for a month and spanked with a belt, but the rush you felt had never left you. Now you just assume people have no choice but to listen to you. Thomas sprang up from the ground and closed the distance between them with speed unknown to him. Anger, rage, and guilt drove him forward. With one tremendous push, Thomas freed Lucifer from his spot on the cliff and sent him falling into the valley of teeth and blood. Lucifer screamed as he fell and hit the ground in a cloud of dust. Thomas looked for signs of Lucifer's body but saw nothing. With a crack of thunder, Lucifer appeared behind Thomas. Whirling around to defend himself, Thomas reached to grab Lucifer by the jacket but Lucifer already had a hand around Thomas's throat. Thick, gnarled nails extended from Lucifer's now crimson-red hand. Thomas got a small glimpse at what Lucifer's real form looked like in the demonic hand. Thomas, I am trying, but you are really testing my patience. Lucifer said as he walked Thomas to the edge of the cliff. Lucifer stood at the edge as Thomas's foam body weight hung from Lucifer's clutch. He clawed at Lucifer's arm and whimpered for his life. Lucifer's face contorted, sprouting two large curved horns, his eyes pits of black fire in strong chiseled features. I could cast you down and let the younglings devour you, find new and creative ways to torment your soul. That's not why I brought you here, though. Lucifer stepped off the cliff, lowering them both down to the floor below. As punishment for your actions, you will have three bites taken from you. Thomas fought to free himself. Lucifer's clutch in his throat was unwavering. Picking three demonic toddlers at random, Lucifer called them over. Now each of you gets one bite. That's it. Lucifer informed them in a fatherly tone. The first satanic spawn bit down on Thomas's forearm taking clothing and flesh without discrimination. Thomas shrieked as muscle was ripped from bone. 
Blood oozed from every severed blood vessel in the bite. Thomas strained to keep his mind from shredding with the pain. The second vile-looking gremlin had blood dripping from its mouth with scratches all over from fighting over the souls they had torn apart. The gremlin sprung to his arm like a perch and bit into the side of his neck, shaking his head as he ripped a crescent of flesh from Thomas and leapt back to the ground, chewing. The hellion had missed his jugular on purpose. Lightning shot through his body with the second bite, and Thomas felt as though he was going to pass out. Lucifer slapped his face firmly to keep Thomas awake. The last one barely waited for the second wicked creature to clear before it leapt to the right calf muscle. Stretching its jaw as wide as possible, half of Thomas's calf had now been volunteered as a snack. With so much pain already bombarding his body, Thomas's brain barely registered the bite. His body fell limp in Lucifer's hand and crumpled to the floor as his throat was freed from the demonic grip. Everything went black. Chapter 4 Circle of Treachery Thomas slowly awoke to his body's uncontrolled shivering and snow crystals stinging his face. He quickly glanced down at his arm and calf while simultaneously reaching for his neck. The wounds were gone, but a sharp tinge of pain remained in each spot. Had Lucifer tired of him and left him to freeze to death? Thomas scoffed at that thought. How can you die again if you're already dead? Flashes of the tortures he had seen and felt here proved you could. Over and over again, you could and would die forever. Thomas heard something like the hiss of water hitting a scalding hot pan only to see the devil standing behind him. Feeling better after our beauty rest, are we, Thomas? Whipping his head around, Thomas saw Lucifer standing there with all the snow in a five-foot radius melted around him. Despite the fear he felt, Thomas rushed over to gain some warmth from Lucifer. Where are we? Why is it so cold here? Thomas asked through chattering teeth. This? Hmm. This is the circle of treachery, and it is the very lowest level of hell, Lucifer said with a grim look. What's the matter, Lucifer? You don't seem to delight in this circle as much as the others, Thomas said with a smirk. Watch it. I can go back to letting you freeze if you prefer. Thomas just shook his head, casting his eyes downward. I despise this circle because it is the circle I am condemned to by my creator. I disagreed with his opinion, which started a fight. Then a war, Lucifer said as he began to walk up a snow-covered ridge. Thomas stuck close to Lucifer, trying to keep his soul from freezing. That doesn't explain the cold, though, Lucifer. Thomas threw the verbal jab out. Lucifer clenched his teeth. So the punch landed. This place is a frozen wasteland for two reasons. First, it keeps my physical form sealed in ice. The second is because the souls that come here betray people without any caring or warmth in their hearts. They actually make this place colder. The snow liquefied and evaporated in front of Lucifer with each step he took. Meanwhile, the wind howled around them, 
Snow blew across the vast expanse with strange-looking trees dotting the landscape. Thomas couldn't make out why they looked strange, only that he had never seen them before. As they were approaching the crest of the ridge, Thomas could hear voices on the wind. Unable to make them out, either because of the distance or the sheer number of people, Thomas strained to hear any of them individually. As they crested the hill, Thomas saw a mass of humanity all gathered around a perfectly circular chasm. The chasm had a large island in the middle with a roaring fire. Planks stretched horizontally across the chasm. People were at various stages of crossing the planks when the masses would turn the planks on their side and drop those crossing into the pit below. Thomas spotted three people working as a team. Two were fending off several others attempting to reach the makeshift bridge. Just before making it across, the individual transversing the plank was thrown off by his protectors. They lifted the board, causing him to lose his footing and fall into the pit. One of the protectors seized the opportunity to push the other into the pit, but was pulled in by the falling protector. They both fell into the dark and let out horrific screams seconds later. They could all be warm if they worked together to cross, but they're all traitors, and turn on each other as soon as they're given the chance, Lucifer said, his calm and confidence both back in place. What's in the bottom of the pit? What's with these weird-looking trees? Thomas questioned warily. The bottom of the pit is filled with thousands and thousands of razor-sharp stalagmites of ice. The trees are twisted monuments of treachery. Groups of people trying to reach the fires from further out on the ice lake. They all try to rob each other of body heat and use each other as shelter from the driving winds. As a result, their bodies were frozen together in unnatural patterns which, oddly enough, emulate nature. Lucifer gave a chuckle and a shrug as he said it, hands sunk in his pants pockets. Why are we down in this circle, Lucifer? Lucifer turned to Thomas, head cocked to the side like a dog. <laughs> Surely you're joking, right? <laughs> what about the numerous women you betrayed by claiming they were the only one, or the wife you haven't been faithful to in years? Defensively, Thomas lashed back. Hey! I am 100% sure my wife is cheating on me as well. Plus, all the other girls were just during dating. I only told them the things they wanted to hear to keep them around until I was done with them. They weren't serious about me like I wasn't about them. Those relationships with that of a, a couple of teenagers having fun. Thomas laughed it off. <laughs> Everyone does that when they're young. Lucifer's mouth twisted into a knowing smirk. Three of your ex-girlfriends were so in love with you that they committed suicide after you dumped them. Does that sound like kids that weren't serious? Or having fun? It was a punch that knocked the breath out of Thomas. Lucifer let the aching silence stretch on for a minute. That's three souls you have placed in my care. However... That's not all. Thomas's eyes flashed at Lucifer, half angered and half terrified to hear more. You look at me as if you haven't lived the life yourself. 
You've seen the movie. You already know what's coming. With a blinding light and the smell of sulfur that accompanies a match being lit, they were transported again. They stood before a man whose feet were frozen in place and had just had a searing hot bucket of water poured over them. Any ice that clung to his skin was promptly melted and flesh almost glowed red from the burns. Six demons began pummeling him, each wielding a different weapon fashioned from ice. A sledgehammer, a mace, a whip, a scythe, a chain, and a samurai sword, each leaving their own unique mark of pain on his flesh. What in the hell are we looking at? Thomas groaned, feeling queasy. Oh, you mean who, don't you? Lucifer cocked an eyebrow up. Thomas turned and gave a look of, are you serious? This is H.H. Holmes. He created a murder mystery mansion in Chicago, Illinois during the time of the World's Fair. He lured helpless, innocent women with the promise of employment during the event. They were each tormented or tortured in varying rooms of the house and were eventually murdered. Betraying the trust of others for his own devious pleasures landed him in this place. Now he is made to feel the cold sting of betrayers' commonly used tools. Lucifer gestured with a sweeping palm-up motion. I fail to see how those weapons are tools of deceit, Thomas scoffed. The sledgehammer is a blunt but powerful betrayal. The mace represents a heavy betrayal that was barbed with the intent to inflict pain. The whip and chain are both meant to cause more acute betrayals, but the chain is one that lies are built link upon link. The sword represents betrayals that are meant to take pieces of you or kill the light inside you. Finally, the scythe is meant to sever you from your connection with people, places, or things. Lucifer grinned widely at the beauty of it. Thomas nodded as the man slowly refroze to start the process again. He could see how each was meant to inflict a certain kind of pain. Let's talk about your business partner, Andy Schultz. Thomas gave Lucifer a solemn look and began a well-rehearsed speech. It was a terrible tragedy. We had warned him about drinking on the roof and that he could fall. His, his poor parents and fiancé, the, the loss they must have felt. Unbearable. Thomas bowed his head. A slow clap began. Bravo. Just incredible. You know, that almost looked and sounded sincere. Seriously, Thomas, you are a professional. Thomas looked up, deflated. Now, let's discuss what really happened. You met Andy Schultz in an intro to business class in your first year at Stanford. You thought he was a bit quirky, but you guys became fast friends. The two of you swore that you would help each other to not only pass, but that you would be valedictorian and salutatorian. Incredibly, you were, for your associates bachelor's and master's degrees. You both applied to Manhattan Dynamics and took upper-mid-level positions as a reward for your hard work. If all this wasn't impressive enough, you both buckled down even harder and put in some grueling nights. 
36-hour shifts. I gotta tell you, Thomas, if you had focused your efforts toward cancer research or some noble cause, you could have done some real good in the world. Not that it makes a difference now. Thomas looked irked and over it. Can we just skip to the end, Lucifer? Oh, no, we can't do that. The best part is just around the corner. Pure joy painted across Lucifer's face. Your teamwork rewarded you guys yet again by moving up the ranks very quickly. You managed to do it the fastest in the company history, as a matter of fact. The problem was Andy was starting to drift a little. You noticed he didn't want to stay late into the night as often. Coming up with excuses for why he needed to leave. Doing your research, you found out he met a girl and was quite smitten. Andy's work began to slack, and you were picking up more of his responsibilities to help. He became jealous of his relationship and his beautiful girlfriend. You became jealous that he had a life outside of work. You, your goals, your priorities were no longer at the top of his priority list. After a couple of years of hard work, you finally made it onto the board of directors. Do you remember who wasn't there to congratulate you? Lucifer probed, inquiring. Of course I remember, Thomas hissed. Andy. Lucifer nodded. Do you remember what was so important that he wasn't there for you on your big day? Thomas shot Lucifer a glare. The asshole was getting engaged. (sighs) Can you believe it? After all of our hard work to make it to the top, he was willing to throw it away for a woman. Lucifer grinned from ear to ear. This next part is my favorite. The beauty behind it just fills me with joy. You called him in a calm voice, told him about your promotion, and said he should come up to your new office on the 33rd floor for a mandatory celebration drink. He came straight to your office, embraced you, and sincerely congratulated you. And he excitedly revealed the reason for his absence the day before, and that it was cause for celebration as well. Forcing a smile and feigning happiness for Andy, you led him to the rooftop. Finally... After getting him good and drunk, Andy stood at the edge of the rooftop looking out over the city. You shoved your best friend from the rooftop, watched him fall to the concrete waiting below before removing your prints from the glass and bottle of liquor and setting them on the ledge. You're damn right I did, Thomas cut in, his voice wild and full of rage. I got his fiancée to fall in love with me, marry me, and give me a son. Again, Lucifer clapped. You killed your best friend, stole his woman, and produced a son to carry on your name. Serves the asshole right for kicking me to the curb like he did. I would gladly do it again, Thomas said in a strangled voice that was growing hoarse from the strain. There was a long pause, the tension so thick it was almost a physical obstruction between them. Watching more savage and selfish souls condemning one another to pain and misery, Lucifer wore a grin, looking at Thomas out of his peripheral view. 
Thomas, how much do you love your son? With a quick flash, they vanished from the frozen wasteland. Chapter 5 Circle of Fire Revisited Plumes of smoke billowed forth as they made their re-entry to the fire-laden prison. It was a jarring transition. Thomas wondered if this was how frozen dinners felt. Being near Lucifer in the circle of treachery, his body could still feel and had absorbed some of the bitter cold there. Then he remembered. No, not my body. My soul. The bodily form is just for show. Every inch of me in this place is my soul. And right now my soul feels like I'm standing in the middle of a huge campfire. Yoo-hoo! Hail to Thomas! Lucifer interrupted Thomas's train of thought. With flaming souls falling all around them, they stood looking over a lake of fire. The wailing and howling of souls in agony was present all around, but Thomas found that it was becoming white noise to him. Thomas! A desperate scream came from somewhere behind the pair. Thomas spun around to see Dave Jorgensen, a former employee of Manhattan Dynamics. Hey, Dave. I, uh, didn't know you were dead. Can't say I'm surprised to see you here, though. Dave stood between two high rock walls with his hands shackled and arms spread wide. The iron shackles hanging from the walls did not allow much slack in them, making the outstretched arms hang awkwardly. Thomas followed the tormented figure down to see that his balls were literally in a vice. Nausea rose up quickly in Thomas's stomach. The screw turned with a slow squeak while the two plates neared each other. What the hell did you do to be tormented like this? Thomas asked in disbelief. The vice was growing ever tighter, and cries of agony leapt from Dave's throat. He was a very resentful and jealous man, Lucifer started. He always took more than his share, questioning anyone getting more than he received, and boldface lying about others when all else failed. Out of anger, he followed a co-worker home one night and beat him badly. He tied the co-worker's wife up and proceeded to rape her in full view of her husband. Battered, bruised, and feeling more violated than ever in her life, she wished this punishment upon him when he died. Thomas turned back to see Dave's penis removed with scissors and his eyes burned out with red-hot iron pokers right at the very moment the vice crushed his balls. Oh, as fucked up as this torture is, you deserve every bit of it. I hope you rot down here. Thomas spit at him and then turned away. Lucifer grinned and clapped a hand to his shoulder. How much do you love your son? I asked. Lucifer raised an eyebrow. Thomas flushed red and realized much too late that his face had already betrayed his thoughts. Lucifer, my son is off limits. You can't have him as part of any deal. Thomas barked as spittle flew. Lucifer's grin was ear to ear again. Don't you understand? You've already delivered him to me. All the things you tried teaching him about how to manipulate people to gain the best possible advantage for himself. All the lessons on how to make your feelings look convincing. He's shaping up to be a better prospect of delivering souls to me than you. Lashing out, Thomas's voice took on a threatening tone. 
Just stay the hell away from my son! Lucifer's laugh came from deep down in his gut. <laughs> Was that not supposed to be a hell pun? <laughs> oh, the fact of the matter is that I can sit back and watch him leave scars that drive people to me and wait for him to arrive. Pure panic had overcome Thomas. His eyes darted around as though there was a solution before him that he just wasn't seeing. Lucifer buttoned the jacket and the hand-tailored suit and began walking away. You weren't totally behaved during our time together, trying to throw me off a cliff in my own home and all. So, the terms of our earlier negotiations have been altered. You will get a reprieve of 80 years out of every millennium of suffering instead of 125 years as we previously agreed. I'll send you video clips of the deeds your son does that send other souls to join us. Whether it's corrupting individuals, committing adultery, theft, or hundreds of other sins, you'll bear witness to them all. I will, as a special treat, give you a glimpse of the torture he earns with each one. Should be a fun way to spend eternity, don't you think? I'll continue the process with all of your descendants. Undoubtedly, you'll feel less and less attached to them over time. But you will still know they are some extension of your bloodline. The terrifying details of everything Lucifer promised poured into Thomas's head faster than he could process. The light of his world that once fit in the crook of his arm. The infant who had stumbled and scraped his knee, crying out for his daddy when learning to walk, comforting the young boy when he struck out in the Little League Championship, losing the game for his team. Thomas had not realized how quickly the years had gone. His son was a young man now, on the verge of being out in the world on his own. He had not realized until this moment what his son meant to him. As Lucifer stood laughing about the demise and torture of his son, Thomas's heart felt like it shattered into a million pieces, and each of those splintered into a million more. I can't wait for your son to join us, Lucifer said, chuckling. Wait! Thomas saw Lucifer snap his fingers. Then nothing. Chapter 6 The Doors Thomas stood locking his eyelids down against the vision of horrors that surely awaited him. For the first time in what seemed an eternity, it was silent all around him. Apprehensive of his surroundings, Thomas slowly released the locks on his eyelids to peer at his fate. He stood before an elevator in his office, the down arrow lit in red on a digital board above the open doorway. Thomas stood in disbelief, at everything but a nightmare, his inner self creating the layers of hell to spark a change before his fate was permanent. He barely had time to ponder the thought before the wounds of the bite stung sharp and fresh. No, it had been real, every miserable second of it. A whisper caressed his ear. 
If you enter the elevator, you will join me forever. However, your son will change his ways and live a happy, normal life. Or, you can take the stairwell to your right and save yourself. But everything I have said will come to pass. The now familiar hiss of Lucifer's voice left him to ponder. Thomas calmly turned around, walked over to his office, and poured himself a scotch on the rocks. The Johnny Walker blue slid down his throat, giving the familiar warmth in his chest of high-quality scotch. Thomas stood looking out over the city, wondering why it had taken so long for him to figure out the truth. The truth was that he was an asshole and a murderer. He had always told himself the lies and had even got to the point of believing them. His son's life and future eternal road now rested upon his decision. Why have I been such a bastard? Thomas questioned the empty room, sipping his scotch. Mind cycling through some of the horrible events of his life that Lucifer hadn't brought to light. Exposing an affair that one of the board members was having with his secretary so he could move up the chain. God, how long would it be before someone did the same to him? He deserved that, and so much more. He deserved to be pushed off the roof. So many lives, so many souls had been ruined or corrupted by him. Now, it was finally going to come to an end. Or would it? Would he really be able to be that selfless? His whole life was an exercise in self-advancement. Finishing his scotch, Thomas strolled back to the bar and poured himself another drink. Suddenly... An omnipresent voice boomed. If you're going to sit here and waste my time, then I shall make the decision for you and remove the hope of any rewards. Lucifer's voice was flat, but unrest was growing. Just one more drink, please. You waited this long for my choice. Try not to let the suspense kill me, Thomas said with his arrogant boss tone. You have five minutes to pick a way down. Otherwise, your son dies tonight and is mine forever! A haunting laugh echoed into nothing. Panic washed over Thomas's face. He didn't even feel the highball glass slip from his hand and shatter on the floor. He shook his head, regaining his composure. Or so he thought. Thomas reached for another crystal highball glass and dropped a couple of ice cubes in it. As he brought the neck of the decanter to the glass, they chattered off each other with light clinking. Thomas tried to steady his shaking hands, but it was useless. If he simply sat and did nothing, his son would die. But he would live. It completely removed the need for him to make a choice. If I just do nothing, then the responsibility isn't mine to bear, he thought. He knew that was simple and childish. Action through inaction is rarely the hallmark of a great man, he thought. He looked down at the chair opposite him, at his massive redwood desk. He remembered his 13-year-old son sitting there while Thomas chewed someone's ass out about poor quarterly numbers. 
The young prince, as his dad referred to him, had questions about how to handle bully. Slamming the phone, Thomas turned to his son and immediately started his lesson. First, son, you find out what this kid's vulnerabilities are, then his fears, and finally, you leverage both against him publicly. This should shame him so greatly he never wants to mess with you again. If he does, you can exploit his fears even further. Show him that you are willing to go to a far crazier place than he is, and you'll never be bothered by him or anyone else again. After that, be charismatic and accepting to people. They will understand you're not to be crossed, but are someone they want to befriend. Thomas sat back and crossed his legs and tented his interlocked fingers simultaneously. Just like that, his heir understood what he had to do. Thomas II stood to leave. As he opened the door, his father's voice halted him. Remember, son, information is the lifeblood of society. How detailed and accurate your information is will make all the difference. Make this bully pay, son. His son gave a nod and strolled to the elevator, pushed the button, and went down the elevator. The elevator, Thomas thought. Three minutes, a gravelly voice barked. Thomas sat down in his Italian leather chair when the next memory forced its way in. Thomas awoke from sleeping on the couch in his living room, the baby monitor casting a soft glow in his face. Thomas sat up trying to blink and rub the blurred vision of his sleepy eyes away. After blinking a few more times, his vision crystallized, and immediate dread flooded his whole body. There was his son, lying face down in the crib, motionless. Before he was even aware of it, his feet had carried him over the side of the couch, and he leapt to the second... No! No, the third step of the staircase! His long stride was devouring huge sections of the staircase in a controlled sprint. At the top of the stairs, he took the half-right turn to the hallway of the nursery. If some distances seemed to stretch during times of stress, Thomas noticed this was the opposite. He was clearing huge sections of the house effortlessly. Thomas was aware that the only sound present was the rapid thudding of his own heart. The hospital video about SIDS and babies sleeping face down playing on a constant loop in his mind. Thomas burst through the door with crazed concern for his young son. Thomas got to the edge of the crib, only to find that the young prince was fine. The monitor had given the appearance that his face was straight down, but his head was cocked to the side slightly, standing there in the sound of his son's low rhythmic breathing. Looking down, Thomas realized just how much this little guy meant to him. He slipped out of the nursery and sobbed. One minute left. Lucifer's voice jolted Thomas back to his office. The announcement came much louder this time. A flurry of memories flew past Thomas's eyes. First, bike rides, little league games, school plays, and a dizzying number of others. Leaning over his desk, tears flowed freely. Sobbing again as he had the day he ran to the crib. For all the memories seen, how many have I missed being here in the office? The tears flowed like never before. How could I have taken that little baby and walked him to the gates of hell? I brought his soul an eternity of suffering and damnation. 
choking on his emotions, snot, and tears. The pedestal of lies that held him high now crumbling. Thirty seconds. Lucifer's voice assaulted Thomas. Fuck you, Lucifer! You can't have my son! Thomas's feet reached a full sprint, but brought him to the doorway of the stairwell. Standing before it, he weighed his life in so many thousands of lives in his hands. The future of his descendants rested on his next action. I can change my son if I get down from here, he thought. I'll move out of the city and never look back. The amusement of that simple thought made him smile. Tears streamed down Thomas's face. Even knowing all the horrible things I've done, I am still trying to save myself. Son of a bitch, I'm an asshole! Eyes bloodshot and face lined with tears, Thomas slammed the door. Five. Four. Three. Two. Thomas hurled himself into the elevator in a full sprint. Only moments after hitting the back wall... The door slammed shut. It began its descent. The cable snapped with the sound of a bullwhip, and the steel box plummeted until it hit the foundation. A crater was the final mark Thomas left on the world. Manhattan Dynamics conducted an investigation into the faulty elevator following the death of its CEO. Several building codes were found to be out of compliance. Thomas had been informed of the necessary upgrades that were going to be quite expensive. Not wanting to spend so much on the building, he found it was cheaper to pay off inspectors for false reports. He knew the elevators were out of code, yet he allowed everyone to ride them every day. People who worked for him and trusted that he was making the best choices for them. Mothers, fathers, young men and women single and in love or lust. People at all different stages of their lives, with their own things they held dear, rode the elevators every day, never knowing how close they were to death. Employees of the company raised a class action suit for hazardous work conditions. Manhattan Dynamics paid out millions. Thomas's corruption and attempt to give Manhattan Dynamics a healthier bank account cost the company millions. Thomas paid with his life and his soul. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, 
You can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can live out your MasterChef dream. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. You've been listening to The Elevator by DJ Montaigne. Well, hell of a day at the office, eh? So easy to forget that the devil is in the details. I know I'll be taking the stairs from now on. I'd like to personally thank you for joining me for this episode of Horror Hill. Don't forget to tune in again next week, when I yet again regale you with a handful of tales to terrify, plumbed from the most depraved depths of the human imagination. Tonight's episode featured tales from the very talented T.W. Grimm and D.J. Montano. Swole was written by and presented courtesy of T.W. Grimm. Grimm is a self-published horror novelist from southwestern Ontario and the author of 99 Brief Scenes from the End of the World, Tripping Over Twilight, When the Stars Fall, and The Promises We Make in December. Now available on Amazon.com. To learn more about T.W. and keep up with him, visit his official blog at twgrim.blogspot.com or follow him on Twitter and Facebook. The Elevator was written by and presented courtesy of DJ Montano. DJ is a first-time author with an affinity for the horror and suspense genres of books and movies. Classic tales from Edgar Allan Poe, Stephen King, and many more have always interested him, particularly when there is a unique concept or spin on what seems normal. Many influences in Montaigne's life have contributed to his love of the dark and macabre. As a U.S. Navy veteran, he traveled the world and was exposed to many different cultures, points of view, and perceptions on the darker side of the human mind. He has always strived to make the characters feel rooted and accessible while giving real and proper motives. He is here to contribute some new tales to the annals of hair-raising, skin-crawling stories that haunt readers' dreams. You can purchase The Elevator and more of DJ's work on Amazon.com or find him on Facebook on his page entitled Descent into Darkness. If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to me. If you'd like to hear a premium, ad-free edition of tonight's and all our other episodes, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at chillingtalesfordarknights.com, where you can become a patron for as little as $5 per month 
and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, including past episodes of this program, all of our other shows, and hundreds of standalone releases, all of them ad-free and available to download or stream. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases, and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You'll find me personally on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Until next week, listener, when we meet up once again atop the horror hill for yet another dance with the darkness. I bid you good night, sleep tight, listener, and whatever you do, if you hear scratching at your door, don't open it. The darkness may have found you, but it's up to you to let it in. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Horror Hill Podcast, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Jason Hill. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Felipe Ojeda, Luke Hodgkinson, and Jesse Cornett. Final mixing and mastering by executive producer and director Craig Groshak. The program's artwork by yours truly, Jason Hill. Logo by Craig Groshak. Got a terrifying tale of your own that you like performed? I take submissions. Email it to us today at submissions at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your work considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's submissions at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave us a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on social media to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and our other programs. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for Chilling Tales for Dark Nights as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every week. And don't forget to hit the thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next week with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. If darkness is what you're after, listener, your search is over. Yet, let it be known, you haven't found the darkness. The darkness has found you.
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today.